All right, all right. Do me a favor, grab that worship guide I mentioned to you earlier. Take it out so you can take some notes. And as always, you can go to onehopechurch.com. Click on today's message notes and follow along in detail. Kicking off a brand new series of talks for the next four weeks. We're going to be talking about good news. Would you look at your neighbor and say, good news? Come on, look at your neighbor, good news. Look at your second choice and say, it's really good news for you, okay? Really, really good news for you. For you, you're going to need this message, all right? Third choice, you're going to need this message, all right? That's what I'm telling you. But we're kicking off a series of talks because our, our world is constantly, constantly bombarded by bad news. Just turn on the news, 74 stories to be depressed about, 74 different things to get upset and, and angry about, things that kind of will frustrate you and, 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 and just really distract you, distract you from what God really has for your life. And so today what I'm trying to do in kicking this series off is to get us back focused on some good good news because we believe that following Jesus is good news. Amen, everybody? We believe that following him is going to bring momentum and grace to our lives, but our tendency when overwhelmed with lots of bad news is to do one of two things. The, the first that a lot of people do is that we just withdraw. We kind of stick our head in the sand and we start pretending it didn't happen. Did this recently with my kids. My kid did something that I was just totally embarrassed by, and I tried to pretend I didn't see it. Parents, you ever done that? Well, I, just, I didn't even see it. And then I looked at my wife, and she said, did you see that? I was like, thank you. I was trying, I was trying not to see that. I was trying to pretend that that wasn't my kid who said that, okay? But it happens. It happens that my kids still need to get saved. Y'all know that, right? They're 11 and 9. They are following Jesus, but they're early, okay? They're early. They're, they're early and following. So, so we got lots of grace for them. But sometimes you want to stick your head in the sand and pretend it's not there. But then the opposite extreme is the person who bought every bottle of hand sanitizer in the city yesterday. Like you, The opposite is you start doing all sorts of things. You start trying to work it out on your own. You start trying to figure out how to fix things. And today I want to kind of help you to kind of slow down because we've got lots of reasons. If we really look at bad news only, we've got lots of reasons to maybe get discouraged or to be depressed or to be overwhelmed in the current job situation you're in. But today, I want to remind you of what Jesus did at the very beginning of his ministry. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35 that Jesus traveled throughout all the towns and the villages of that area. And he even went to the synagogue. So he went to churches first. So some of you, can I just tell you that God wants to do some things in the church before he's going to do it out in the streets, right? And so, so it's a good thing to come to church. That's what I'm trying to say. So he, he went to the synagogues first. And would you read the next line? And he was announcing the good news about the kingdom. He was walking around saying, hey, everybody, I've got some good news. Now, if you grew up in religious environments, okay, religious environments, quite often they tend to start with the bad news rather than the good news. Have you ever had a friend that said, hey, do you, do you want the good news or the bad news first? It's like, when did I ever even want the bad news? I don't even want the bad news. Now, there is some bad news in our world. I'm not going to pretend it's not here, and I'm going to talk about it later. But can I just tell you that Jesus didn't start with the bad news? He didn't start talking about your failure. He didn't start talking about your sin. He didn't come with condemnation in both hands, shooting at your situation. What did God do? He came up and announced, hey, I've got some good news. God sent the Savior into the world. He sent me to pay for everything that you're struggling with. Come on now. If someone called you today and said they were going to pay off all your credit cards, how excited would you be? <laughs> this section, real excited. Y'all don't have any debt over here. Okay, praise God. Listen, if someone came and said they were taking care of your situation like that, you would do a cartwheel in honor of them. They said, listen, the only thing you've got to do is cartwheel. How many of y'all have figured out how to do a cartwheel right there? 
You would do it, right? In celebration of what would happen, Jesus walked up and he announced the good news everywhere we go. Somewhere in our process, though, of, of religion, we've kind of adopted some of the bad news language. We've kind of adopted some of the philosophy and some of the things that kind of go with it. And, and so now we're kind of walking about. And even though we're here today, we're, we're not inviting people to this place. We're unsure if we should because we're still stuck in how do I tell them the bad news? When I tell you it's not your responsibility to start with the bad news, it's your responsibility to start with the good news. Amen, everybody? Listen, Jesus came talking about the good news. If you study the life of Jesus, you see that this was very, very important. But then you follow the life of Paul, who was the, the writer, through, through the grace of the Holy Spirit, wrote two-thirds of the books of your New Testament and your Bible. And, and in his writing, if you study the life of Paul, this guy was, he was a bad news bear, okay? No matter where he went, he was the legalist of all legalists. The Bible says that he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. If you're unfamiliar with the term, that meant he was a religious guy that was just, he was handing out condemnation everywhere that he went. He even was the guy who would carry out judgment, like final judgment, if you had done the wrong thing. And the Bible says that he was standing alongside and pushing the stoning of Christians. He said, I, I want to make sure that they get stoned. Now, I'm not talking about the smoking kind of stone, everybody. I'm talking about like someone holding a stone and dropping it on your head. This guy was brutal and God saved him. And so when you start to look at the Apostle Paul's life, if he was a legalist of all legalists, if he was the, the most religious of any religious people, he was the guy that is the reason why I never want to go to church again. Can I tell you the reason I never want to go to church is because someone in the church found out that I was the preacher's kid and that I had done something wrong and they wanted to go and stand on the stage and tell everybody that the preacher's kid was messed up. And so now I just tell you the preacher's kid is messed up from the beginning. That's funnier than some of y'all laughed at, okay? But, but here's the deal. Here's the deal. Uh, it made me want to leave. Why? Because the legalist was carrying out legalism. And we've let religion kind of hijack all of this with lots of bad news. But there is good news. There is more good news than there is bad news. And the Apostle Paul, when he met Jesus, the Bible tells us this in the history of the book of Acts, if you'd like to read it on your own. In the history of the book of Acts, he goes and, and he has this encounter with God where God really like knocks him down. Some believe that God knocked him off the horse. That's not really what the scripture says, but God just knocked him down. And in the, the falling, he met Jesus and he realized that everything he was living for, all the legalism, all the Phariseeism, all the, all the condemnation was not what God was about, that Jesus brought some good news. And so then the Apostle Paul, he starts going all out for the gospel. I mean, the guy who murdered Christians becomes the guy who's going town to town to tell people about Jesus. How many of y'all know that's a little complicated? <laughs> Give my life to Jesus. Is this a trick? <laughs> Think about like the situation that he was in, but he began to go after it with all of his heart. And in Romans chapter 1, the Apostle Paul talks about how he feels about the gospel or the more modern translation, good news. Romans 1 and 16, lots of verses today, so you're going to have to follow along. He says, for I am not, come on, say it with me, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. He says, I'm unashamed of this. Why? Why was he unashamed of it? Because of what it was and what it meant to him, because it was such good news. See, he knew so much about God, he just didn't know God. And our culture knows so much about God, but doesn't know God. 
They know a lot about religious things, but they don't know who he really is. See, the older translations, the word for word, the first one I gave you there, uses the word gospel because when they were translating your Bible, so the Old Testament originally written in Hebrew, the New Testament originally written in Greek, it has not changed. What we have done is as we've grown, we've modernized and, and we found good words to explain them. We didn't have a good English word for the word euagelin in the Greek, all right? And so we came up with gospel, okay? And, but then here's, the, here's what's happened to us now. We're like, you just need the gospel. What's that? And so we, we understood later that creating another word that no one else used wasn't a good way of doing it. And so more modern translations give us Romans 1 and 16. Uh, go back to the previous verse. He says, for I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes. The Jew first and also the Gentile. He says, I need you to kind of, the modern translation helps us to understand that the gospel is really good news. And so what I want to do just for a few moments, I want to take you down a little teaching trail in one single verse of the Bible. I'm going to give you a few other supporting verses, but I want to give you four reasons why the apostle Paul was unashamed of the gospel. And they're all in Romans 1 and 16. I want to give you four reasons why this is so important and why today I am a preacher of the gospel, why I am here standing in a world that's gotten so pessimistic and so discouraging and so Debbie Downer. I'm like, well, I'm so tired of the Saturday Night Live, you know, like the whole, I'm just tired of it all. Why am I preaching the gospel? Here's number one, write it down. Let me take some notes. Number one is because of the origin of the gospel. The apostle Paul says he's unashamed of the gospel because the gospel is the good news about Jesus Christ. You might say he's unashamed because of the person of the gospel. See, he didn't let this become something religious. He realized that everything about this is about Jesus. Do y'all realize that the goal today is for you not to look like me? The goal is to look like Jesus, right? Now, some of you, you, you I mean, setting me as a goal might be an okay thing. Thank you, seven of you. Come on, I'm bringing out my spring today. How do I like my spring jacket? Come on, come on now. You can get this at bananarepublic.com, all right? Hashtag ad. No, I'm not doing that. Bringing out my spring. But listen, the goal isn't to look like a religious environment. The goal isn't to look like me. The goal is to discover the origin of this all was Jesus. Some 20 years ago, I'm kind of early in my ministry career, starting out as a youth pastor, and I stumble into a group of ministers that are beginning to plant churches in a life-giving, in a new way, they say. They say life-giving. I'd never heard the term, didn't know what it meant, but they, they said, we want to do the things of Jesus. How many of y'all want to do the things that Jesus did? Anybody here still believe that miracles can happen? Come on, can God still heal? Wouldn't it be crazy if God did that in your family? Oh, I would love to see it. He has. He's already doing it now. We wanted to do the things of Jesus, but we had this one little caveat, and that is that we wanted to do them like Jesus. I think a lot of people want to do the things of Jesus, but they don't want to do it the way Jesus did. See, a lot of people, when they, when they meet the salvation or grace or whatever, they, they, they discover it, but quickly the enemy turns it into legalism, and so they, they begin to be a rule book everywhere they go. Imagine Jesus meeting the woman at the well that was in her fifth relationship. She had four husbands before that hadn't worked out. She was on the fifth that she was living together. And, and Jesus could have easily harped on the fact that all that happened. But instead of harping on the fact that that happened or even really bringing it up, he just says, I'm here to tell you some good news. 
you're here to drink water out of this well, and I'm telling you, there's water that's better than this kind of water. It's a spiritual water that will well up inside of you and begin to cleanse you and change your life. What did Jesus do? Harp on the sin or bring healing? He brought healing to the situation. And so our group of pastors and ministers, we decided, listen, if we're going we're gonna to do the things of Jesus and do it the way he did, we had to find some things that we said, oh, that's how Jesus is. This is kind of extra notes if you want to write it down. We said, well, Jesus, he's just an authentic person. Everywhere he, he was, you met him, you, you met Jesus. And so we said, you know what? If we're going to be like Jesus, then the guy on the stage has to be authentic too. Can I tell you, if you meet me for coffee and we talk about the gospel, this leg starts bouncing real fast. And my wife reaches over and grabs it and says, this is too much over coffee, okay? Why? Why? Because I am a passionate person no matter where you find me. You think this is a show? Come hang out tomorrow, okay? It's not. Here's what I'm telling you. Yeah, I got to shout a little louder. I got to help you to follow along. But here's the deal. It's great to have a screen, isn't it, right? But here's the deal. Here's the deal. Jesus was authentic. He was real. When you walked up to him, you could hug him. You could care about him. He could talk to you, and he can still do it now. We hung our hat that Jesus was incredibly relevant as well. He would talk about things that, care, that we cared about today. Now, I don't know anyone here that owns any sheeps and goats. Anybody here own sheeps and goats? No? None of us, all right? So we're not talking about sheeps and goats. We're talking about viruses. <laughs> no, no, we're not, all right? No, what do we do? We talk about what's relevant to culture in real life right now. Jesus was authentic. He was relevant. He was also enjoyable. Talk about a fun guy to be around. Anybody here like to laugh? I love to laugh. If you can make me laugh, we'll be better friends, I promise you. Why? Why? Because, listen, there's so much in the world that focuses on negativity. What would it be like if we were just positive people? Come on, everywhere we went, we carried the good news of Jesus. Come on, looks good. You look good today. It's great to see you. I'm proud of you. Look what God has already done in your life. Instead, our tendency is to go the other way. But Jesus, he was enjoyable. He was fun. The kids like to be around he was, also, he was also incredibly accepting. This is tough for some of you. He was incredibly accepting, but rarely approving of sin. So he would come right along and say, I love you right where you are. Romans 5 eight. God demonstrated his love for us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for you and I. He, he's all about accepting us right where we are, but he's also the guy that's coming along and saying, hey, that ain't going to help you out. That's not going to make your life better. He even told the woman that was thrown at his feet who had committed adultery and says, the law says stone her. And Jesus said, you know what? Let the person without sin throw the first stone. What did he do? He helped her up and said, if they're not going to stone you, neither will I. But he also adds this little caveat at the end. It's real important for some of you guys. He says, but go and sin no more. He was still willing to challenge them, so he's incredibly accepting. And then lastly, Jesus was powerful. He still does miracles. Y'all believe that the great physician has closed up shop, that he can't do miracles any longer, that he's done, that that was just the past? Or God, can God still do that now? <laughs> Some of you, I think you're on the line, because here's the deal. You're believing God for salvation, but you don't know about the sickness. You believe in God for salvation, but you don't know about the financial miracle. You're believing God for salvation in your life, but you don't know about your family. But here's the deal. I need to tell you, the origin of the gospel fired up Paul. The origin of the gospel got him so excited. Here's how he describes it again in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says, for Christ's love compels me because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. He died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. 
Listen to Romans 5 out of the message translation. He says, here it is in a nutshell. Anybody ever wanted the gospel in a nutshell? Here it is, okay? Here it is. Here it is in a nutshell. Just as one person did it wrong and got us in all this trouble with sin and death, another person did it right and got us out of it. But more than just getting us out of trouble, he got us into life. One man, one man said no to God and put many people in the wrong. Bad news. One man said yes, good news to God and put many in the right. Today I'm fired up about the gospel. Why? Because I have met the person of the gospel, Jesus. I'm I'm, the origin is Jesus. Here's the second. I got to keep on going or I'll never finish this message. All right. Here, here's the second. The second reason Paul was fired up is the operation of the gospel. He says it's the power of God. At the core of the gospel is this limitless power to change our lives. This limitless power to show up and help you break every addiction in Jesus' name. It's a power that helps you change everything that you know needs to change. See, some of us have, we've kind of come to this, oh, well, we've lowered God to our size. God is bigger than you. Can I tell you that? He is way way bigger span the universe with his hands knows how many hairs you have on your head recently i read a post from an atheist that outlined many of the reasons we believe in this great and miraculous god and one of them were like they believe he created the universe and knows how many hairs you have on your head and still wants to be your friend and one of my friends commented said nailed it (laughs) nailed it you figured it out exactly who god is You've just chosen to look at all of that and have more faith in your cognitive ability than God. Well, that hurts a little bit, but at some point, an atheist has to recognize that they have extreme faith. I actually, in a quite a few conversations, when I meet someone, says, well, you know, I don't believe in God. And I say, wow, I admire your faith. The operation of the gospel is power. 2 Corinthians 5, listen how he goes on to describe it. He says, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, would you read this out loud? Come on, every voice. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. What more power than you, do you need than someone that can take every broken area of your life and turn it for good? What more power is there than God to say everything was going that way, but God was willing to change it? I don't know about you. I don't want just a new start. He said, I could do all of this fresh and new. See, the power of God is real today to do that work in our lives. Romans 8, 28, again, the Apostle Paul says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. God is so powerful, he can take every hidden area of your life and turn it for good. He can take this preacher's kid who hated church and make him a preacher, everybody, all right? He can take the broken areas of your life and use them for good. But here's the deal. So often we lose that sight of that good news and we, we ask God for salvation and we stop. We pray a prayer in a religious environment and we stop believing in the power of God. And today I'm here to tell you there's more power than you can ever imagine. See, the origin is good. That's why I'm unashamed, right? The operation, I like some power in my life. I I like winning. Anybody here like winning? Okay, listen, any other side you lose. That hurt. I'm sorry. It's the truth. I'm just trying to help you. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I'm sold out. I've gone all in. I remember the day, a little over 22 years ago, 
I went all in for Jesus, and I haven't stopped. Here's the third reason that the Apostle Paul is unashamed of the gospel, and it's because of the outcome of the gospel. He says it's the power of God for salvation. What's the outcome of the gospel? You and I are saved. I recently, you know, I've told you guys this story a few times. I recently sat with someone, and, and we were talking about salvation. And I asked them if they wanted to get saved, and they said, from what? And I, and I finally understood what so many people misunderstand about the good news. We've led with all the bad news that they don't even understand what salvation is. There is some bad news, by the way. I'm going to tell you more about it later. There is some bad news, but the good news of the gospel is that God wants to save you from every situation that's bad. That God came and sent his son Jesus on your and my behalf so that we would not have to pay the debt for our sin. Every one of us has fallen short, but God sent Jesus to save us out of it. 2 Corinthians 5 and 18, he says, All this, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. You might want to write this verse down and read it out loud. Come on, read it together. It says, not counting people's sins against them. How did Jesus reconcile us to God? Did he walk in and say, you did this, you did that, you did this, you did that? Or did he say, no, no, I'm going to cover a multitude of sins with the sacrifice of my life. Jesus reconciled you and I to God. He saved us not by counting all your wrongdoing. No, no, no. He counted his life, and he poured it out for you. Listen, y'all are quieter than a Methodist church in New Orleans right now, okay? But here's the deal. If you really get this in your mind, you'll begin to realize what it means that he saved you in the past, he's saving you now, and he is already saving you in the future. That he is past, present, and future, that his blood was good enough yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Come on, he is with you forever. And if you begin to realize that you would be committed, he says, and so now I'm committed to us, the message of reconciliation. Listen, I, I have never, you know, I, I try to teach you guys. I'm pretty passionate. But can I tell you today, I'm, I'm more passionate than I've ever been about the good news. Because I'm so tired of the bad news. I'm so tired of the effects of sin. And so many of us, so many of us, we bought into a little bit of the good news and a lot of the bad news. And we're living, just hanging on a thread. You don't have to live hanging on a thread. My God, you can live a powerful life in Christ. I'm clapping today, my own self. Y'all, amen, I will clap for myself, right? <laughs> my preacher friend over here is going to say amen for sure. The rest of y'all, I'm praying for y'all. I'm praying for the middle section today, okay? I always call out this section, this section. Y'all need Jesus, all right? Romans 10.9. The Apostle Paul says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. See, the outcome of the gospel is we get saved. The outcome of the gospel is you get saved. The outcome of the gospel, you get saved. The outcome of the gospel for your family, they get saved. Listen, listen we need to be saved. We need it. Here's the fourth reason that I'm unashamed of the gospel is because of the outreach of the gospel. He said, it is the power of God for salvation to everyone. Everyone. Would you say that word? Come on. Everyone. Everyone who believes. Does everyone leave anybody out? No. He said, I'm here for everybody. 
We sang it in Sunday school when we were kids. Come on, red and yellow, black and white. We are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world, right? We were taught to sing it because we had lost sight of it. We need to come back that the outreach of the gospel is for everyone. It's for everyone. Listen, it's not for a certain neighborhood or a certain level income or a certain color. No, the gospel speaks to the core issue of everyone. We have racism because of sin, everybody. We have hate because of sin. And we need the outreach of the gospel so that we'll come back to the love of God. <laughs> Y'all are getting weather. Maybe we'll put this one online, okay? Second <laughs> Corinthians 5. It says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What did he do? He sent us down into the world as ambassadors. Some of you wanted an ambassadorship in your life. You've just been called on. God is calling us to this. Mark 16, Jesus' own words. He said to them, go. Come on, say that with me. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He said, I want you to go and reach the world no matter what. Hey, everybody, that's the good news. It's the good news. I'm really excited, Danny, that you came but you, you really are five minutes early. <laughs> you know, keep playing. It's great. Keep on going. But I just want to let some of y'all know that I'm going to keep on preaching longer is what I'm saying. I'm not about to stop, all right, just because he's early. I've got a lot more to say, okay? Some of y'all... Some of y'all hear the music, you think, oh, we'll start wrapping up. No, no, you got more to write down. <laughs> but I love boob music, okay? I think it's great. We'll be here, okay? I mentioned to you that there was some bad news. There's some bad news. There is bad news. I said the message title is good news. More than bad news, there is some bad news. And the bad news is that you and I, every single one of us, were born in sin. Every one of us, the Bible says, were, were born bent the wrong way. So when I meet people and they say, well, I was just born this way, I say, me too. They say, oh, I was, just, I was just born like that, me too. I have never had a propensity to tell the truth. I, I wasn't born with a, a, a mindset of monogamy. No, no, no. I, I was born with a sinful mindset and so were you and I, every single one of us. But Jesus didn't lead with that, he fixed that. He didn't start with that. He fixed that. That's what he did. And, and so here, here's the deal. What we're doing is we're walking up and saying, you know, God wants you. You're this. And you're, no, no. We don't have to do anything. We need to lead with the gospel. And the gospel will fix that. We'll lead with the grace of God, and the grace of God will change that. We don't try to change the outside first to get to God. No, no, no. You can't change on the outside. You have to start. Start with God on the inside, and God begins to shape. People say, well, pastor, that person, they spoke like this and they said that. And, and, and they're talking about what I call fruit on the tree. And what they don't realize is we just uprooted that tree and planted it in the grace of God. And it's going to take a little while for those roots to dig down. And then all of a sudden, the bad fruit will start falling off and the good fruit, good fruit will start growing. Amen, everybody? That's what happens. What happens? But you say, well, pastor, I, I mean, did you just tell me that the bad news is I'm a sinner? Yes. Romans 3 and 23 says, for everyone, 
has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Our tendency when it comes to sin is to outline, well, you know, lying, stealing, cheating, you know, adultery, you know, those are the big ones. But can I tell you that, that sin is far more than that list? How could Adam and Eve eating a fruit be considered sin? It's because it was outside of what God wanted for them. Some of us need to realize that sin isn't just a list of three things or four things of do's and don'ts. Don't do this, don't do that. No, no, no. It's far more than that. See, I think the Ten Commandments are a great list to start with. I mean, thou shalt not kill is a good one. Amen, everybody? Like, uh, when you're angry, try not to kill anybody. I think it's a good place to kind of get you mentally prepared for what you're going to need to do in your heart. But when Jesus was asked about what he should do and which law was the greatest law, he came back to loving God and loving people. Because here's what he knew. He knew that if if I loved you, then I would never divide your family. He knew that if I really loved my wife, I wouldn't commit adultery. He knew that if I really loved you, I wouldn't steal from you. So he said, let me deal with the root issue in your life. And that is, you're trying to fix all the fruit. The fruit doesn't matter. Deal with the root of your life. The root of your life, when you place it in the gospel, is good news. It begins to change everything. That's why he said, just love me all out and you'll stop all that stuff. Just love people all out and you won't want to harm them that way. Love people and then you have to deal with the fact that you look at them in a way that God doesn't look at them. goes on to say in Romans 6 that the paycheck of sin, the wages of sin, is death. This is the bad news, by the way. You go the opposite way with God with your money, it produces financial death. You go the opposite way in your soul, it produces emotional death. You go the wrong way, you leave off God entirely in your life, it leaves you in spiritual death. Ultimately, always leave there. The wages of sin is death, but... More than an incredible but right there in the middle of the message. But the free gift of God, the free gift, it's the good news, is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I've never been more fired up about the good news. Today, the gospel is available for you. It's available for me. So what should we do, all right? This, what should we do? I'll give you four things, and this is normally, the piano just starts right now, okay? <laughs> right now. <laughs> so funny. I love messing with y'all. Isn't it fun? Write these four other things down. Number one, number one, you need to acknowledge the gospel. The word acknowledge is the act of knowing. So when you meet someone and you acknowledge them, today I acknowledged Ben and Melody. I went public that we're friends. I didn't hide it. And if you meet me in the hallway sometimes and you say, oh, this is my husband or this is my wife, I say, oh, praise God, you claim them in public. I love it. I love it when you claim them in public. What am I doing? You're acknowledging them. And some of you, you've made private decisions about Jesus. It's time to acknowledge him. It's time to go public through water baptism, through serving, through making a difference with your life. It's time to acknowledge him in public because Jesus said, you can't just say you love me in private. You're going to have to go public at some point. Starts inward, but it starts showing up outward, right? Your family starts saying, man, why, why aren't you? You used to be really angry. You were like angry Annie everywhere you went. What happened to you? It's your chance to go public. It's your chance to acknowledge that it was Jesus that saved you. Ephesians 2 and 8 says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. So you can't work your way into the saving grace of God. You just have to accept it. It's a free gift. First step. Here's the second one. I want you to write it down. I want you to have faith in all of the gospel. 
Have faith in all of the gospel, not just a portion of the gospel. Have faith that what he said about money will affect your life and what he said about your kids will affect your life. Have faith that, that there's power in God to bring healing to every area and every part of you are. He can break alcohol addiction. He can break your anxiety and your fear and your depression in Jesus' name. You're living in a, a, a mixed faith family. You know, we've got four parents and, and we, we're trying to work it out and this kid's angry. Listen, God is the answer to your family situation. He is. You've got to have faith that he can do it again. Don't withdraw. Don't stick your head in the sand. Don't go crazy and become weird. Just believe in the gospel again. Romans chapter 8 says it stands to reason, doesn't it? That if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead, if he moves into your life, he'll do the same thing he, that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. When God, when God lives and breathes in you, and he does as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from the bad news. With his spirit living in you, in your body, you will be as alive as Christ ever was. You gotta, it's time to raise the faith level around here. It's time to believe that God's bigger than you ever thought. Can I tell you, this week, my, my faith was challenged. I, I, I went on a building tour on behalf of our church. I've been going on two or three almost every single week that I can. And I'm just believing that God's going to show us a spot. And, and there was one that's potential. It's just going to stretch our faith. And I walked down. I was like, I just don't know if we can. God said, you can't. You need him. And I'm not sure. Our elders are gathering. We're praying. We're seeking God for the right answer. But here's what I know. You're going to have to have faith all of the gospel. Number three, write it down with me. You're going to have to share the gospel. So many of us, can I tell you, what we're hoping God will do in us, God is waiting for us to make the next move because he's already made the first move. We're wanting God to save our child and God's saying, I'm, I'm sent you to save that family's child. See, see, God says you can't, you can't outgive God, you can't outserve God, and you reap what you sow. And so when you pray for somebody else's family, God sends somebody to pray for you. When you serve in an environment, right now there are, there are a bunch of people serving your kids and your family so that you can be in this room. They're doing that. Why? Because they know they can't outgive God. They know that when they serve and make a difference, God jumps in that and he begins to do it for them. And listen, you need to know that what you need in your life, the best answer is for you to engage with that answer from somebody else. Y'all follow me today. Is that too fast? Is that too fast? I'm trying to say, listen, what Abraham did, he prayed for Abimelech who couldn't have children. And God answered Abimelech's prayer. That was his greatest need. And then God healed Abraham as well. But it wasn't until Abraham prayed for Abimelech. Old Testament for some of y'all. Luke 14 to 23, Jesus said, the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them, beg them to come in so that my house will be full. We're just about six or so weeks away from Easter. It's the Super Bowl of all Sundays. It's the one weekend, for whatever reason, if you invite somebody to church, they will come. And here's what I want to tell you. If you don't have somebody on your list, you're missing the blessing of God in your life. Because when I say every head bowed, every eye closed, I give you permission to peek. But you've invited that friend and they sit next to you. And when they lift that hand and they make that decision for Jesus, you're sharing the gospel. You're partnering with God because God doesn't just want to save you. He wants to save your street. He wants to save your home. He wants to save your neighborhood. He wants to save this city. Listen, we can be no more than Mardi Gras. Come on. We can be no more than the red dress run. Amen, everybody? Come on. Listen, those are, that's all fine. Jesus is the reason I live. Amen, everybody? He's the reason. We have to go. I know I'm ending probably more fired up than y'all are prepared for. But 
But I know this much. If I go this far, many of you aren't even going to go that far. You're only going to go halfway. And so I've realized i got to raise my game, okay? Matthew 24 and 14, he says, The good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come. Some of you are wondering, when is God going to fix all this? When you and I do our job. He's calling us forward. He's calling us forward. Here's the last one. We close and we pray. You need to stay close to the gospel. There's always a religious bad news pull into negativity everywhere you go. And you can be following Jesus for 22 years and begin to listen to the enemy's voice more than God's voice. And you begin to become negative about what God is doing in your life and family. And that's bad news. That's not the gospel. The gospel is focusing ourselves on who Jesus is, the power that he has, the goal that he wants for our lives, and going all out for it. Amen, everybody? A few years ago, uh, my younger sister invited me to come and share with her staff. She works in a dental office, and uh, they they were working through some complexity and growing, and Many of you don't know that we take these same principles of Jesus and we bring them into businesses all over the city and all over the nation and kind of try to encourage them to learn character traits. And sometimes we we talk to them about Proverbs and wisdom and then we grow them into, hey, the reason is because we believe in Jesus. And so I had the opportunity to share with our staff and for full disclosure, when I got there to talk to them about personality differences and conflict resolution and all that good stuff, just using biblical truth in a practical way, I, I, you know, I fully disclosed that I was a pastor of a church in New Orleans that we were starting. And one of the older ladies in the group who was a believer was just listening and she was ministered to while we were there. And she told my sister Jordan later that while we were in that time that she, you know, just it was just a glow about your, your, your brother. It was just a glow about him. It was, like, it was like Jesus was right there. And I was kind of amused when she told me that. And I thought, well, that's, that's cute. But hey, I, I hope to reflect God in these situations. Well, I was going to their dental office because I needed to, to get a cleaning. Amen, everybody? Like, you got to do that too. That's a practical side. And she heard that I was coming. And, and my sister tells me that she walked about the office announcing everyone, hey, Jesus is coming today. Jesus is coming today. Hey, do you know that Jesus is going to be here today? She was all fired up. And, and they said, what are you talking about? She said, Pastor Josh is going to be here. I thought the greatest compliment I've ever had. I mean, some of y'all are laughing too hard right now. But I thought to myself afterwards, who do I really want to be like? Do I want to be religious? Do I, do I really care about which building we're in? I don't care about which building we're in. I, I don't care about set up and take down. I care about the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. John 3.30 says, he must become greater and I must become less. The gospel, the good news is that the greater you let him become and the less you focus on you, the more you become like him. It changes everything. It just changes everything. There is some bad news. For heaven's sakes, there's a whole lot more good news, isn't there? Today, as we close, would you bow with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you've heard more bad news than good news, today you really need the good news of Jesus that he forgives and pays debts and sins and overcomes. You need that. I won't embarrass you. I won't ask you to stand. I will not ask you to come to the front. You can make a personal and private and sincere decision about following Jesus right there in your seat. I'll give you the words even. I'll help you to pray the prayer of faith and invite Jesus in, but you have to acknowledge him. 
If you don't acknowledge him, then one day you're going to be held accountable. So if that's you, would you whisper this prayer? I'll give you the words. Say them right after me. Lord Jesus, I'm giving you my life. And I'm asking you to be my Lord and my Savior. God, would you forgive me for my sin? Would you forgive me for trying to live this life on my own? Would you give me the power to follow you all the days of my life? 